0: My first interview was Coach K, and it was his last year in basketball. Duke traveled to Clemson, and it was just so surreal being this college kid taken into this room, and then you have Coach K in front of you, and it's ask any question you want.
1: But Mayor, thank you for coming on. Um, you reached out to us. Great to have you just get right into it. Do you want to tell everybody just kind of a little bit about who you are and like what you've been doing over the last few years?
0: Definitely, so I go to Clemson and at Clemson I pursued a career in sideline reporting and I feel as if women have a position in sports but that's not necessarily been easy for me. But through hard work, drive, I've been able to debut in the MLB as a sideline reporter. I've worked closely with Clemson football, baseball and basketball and also very closely with the Cape Cod Baseball League.
2: What did it look like the first time getting on the sideline for you and getting that opportunity?
0: So I remember this game perfectly. It was the first Clemson home game of my sophomore year, and this is when I got to debut on the sideline. And just seeing the atmosphere made me know – That i made the right decision and what i wanted to do because the environment's so exciting there's so much going on and really getting to build a connection with the players you get to know them on a deeper level and have more of an attachment to the game
1: was clemson football your first experience like with sports and being a sideline reporter or like how did you kind of build up to that role
0: so two things mainly my family's a notre dame family so every Friday that Notre Dame had a home game in high school, I wasn't there because we'd out be out in South Bend. So I'd say that was my first college football experience, but growing up, my dad's favorite hockey player was Bobby Orfour. I saw it in front of TD Garden. I grew up in Fenway Park watching the 2011 Bruins, Tom Brady, and I feel like Boston when I was growing up and still is the best of the best. And that's really what drew me to sports. Also, that was what I shared with my dad. So that was why it was special to me.
2: Did you play sports growing up?
0: Yes, I did. I did volleyball, lacrosse, and gymnastics.
2: And did you like want to continue like to be in sports but you kind of was there a time that you realized like you didn't want to play or be like on the court yourself and you wanted to be more in the business or journalism side?
0: I think where that came into play for me was I knew that Playing a professional sport as a girl probably wasn't going to make me the money that I wanted and the lifestyle that I desired, but I knew I wanted to be in sport. so I was on Instagram actually watching reels, and Laura Rutledge came up on an ESPN reel, and I got into her research, what she did at University of Florida, how she got to where she was, and I thought that was something that I wanted to do
2: got it. What is like the current sports landscape, I would say, like in terms of you mentioned like women working in sports, mm-hmm. but also just like sports journalism with social media, like is there, you know, anything on your mind just like a, a rundown right right now in terms of, you know, sports in 2023, 2024?
0: I definitely think that girls are breaking into the industry more, but it's still predominantly male. I've actually had people come up to me working at sporting events saying, you're too pretty to be working in sports who are you here for and i'd say that girls almost have a fight to be taken seriously in this industry but i will say it's getting better and this advice goes for athletes non-athletes anyone really the way you portray yourself on social media is so important being a girl in sports you can't necessarily have bikini pictures or all these crazy frat parties and that goes for athletes too like the way people see you on social media they're immediately going to form an opinion and i think it's so important to best set yourself up for the best perception possible
2: i feel i feel like social media is everything right now Mm -hmm. too so like just because your resume is like separate like Mm -hmm. theoretically your social media is your resume it's not like a piece of paper anymore so like people are looking through that like you building a personal brand is like really important is that something you've started to do yourself
0: definitely so i've created a website actually through google websites and i've also linked with hubi hubi's an invite platform where you can have all your social media platforms in one place through a link on your Instagram. So I've been doing that, and then I've also been building a website called Mary D'Entremont Sports where you can see my reels, my portfolios, graphic designs, and anything that would be of interest to an employer.
2: Yeah, we know Hubie. I've been on Hoobie since, like, probably, like, three years ago because they're all Boston guys, um, and we saw them in Miami. Yeah, when, down there at Jordan. Yeah. But...
1: Um, so, like, when what was your first like job in sports? Was it Clemson football?
0: It was a third party Clemson company. So, it wasn't directly affiliated with the university, but it's called Clemson Insider and they covered sports. And it wasn't football, it was actually basketball, which was my first experience at, back in 2022. And this is almost my fun fact when I talk about sports with people. My first interview was Coach K. And it was his last year in basketball, Duke traveled to Clemson, and it was just so surreal being this college kid taken into this room, and then you have Coach K in front of you, and it's ask any question you want. And I think that's another reason that I chose Clemson, because the connection to sports runs so deep that it really best sets yourself up for a network, because this goes for everything. It's not what you know, it's who you know, and your connections and network are essential to development.
1: Yeah, we found that too. It's really important to reach out and like you know meet as many people as you can because you never know who they know. But um, when you were interviewing Coach K, like was that intimidating at all? Like you have one of the most prolific coaches of all time, like right in front of you. What was going through your head?
0: Don't stutter. That was the only thing I could think of. Don't stutter. And I think when it comes to sports interviews as well as conversations with anyone, just keep it simple and personable. Like yes this is this amazing coach who has awards down the line and x y and z but at the end of the day he is just a person and he wants to talk to you and talk about his team and tell his story so that's what i always try and keep in mind
1: do you remember the question that you asked him?
0: i think so in that game there was a flagrant foul and i asked his take on flagrant fouls and player safety
2: was that Clemson versus Duke?
0: Yes, it was Clemson versus Duke, and for a minute, Clemson almost won, but Duke ended up taking the win in the end.
2: Got it. What is your like favorite sport like now in general? Just you know, covering it.
0: Oh, that's hard. So I love baseball because I got to interview Pete Alonso. So being able to interview a legend like that really drew me to the sport. And as I mentioned, I work for Cape Cod League. I feel like my knowledge of baseball is the most foundational. But being from Boston, hockey would be my favorite. I just haven't worked with hockey in a while because Clemson doesn't have hockey. However, when Clemson played Miami, I got to travel out to Amarant Bank and cover the Florida Panthers, shadowing Jess Baylock. So that was awesome. I'm
2: going to love them in Boston, though, no?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just remember growing up seeing, like, Zendano Chara on skates, Brad Marchand, Bergeron Lucic, like... Boston hockey something different.
2: That's cool. What was the Cape Cod League like?
0: The Cape Cod League was great. Was that
2: this past summer?
0: So I worked for Cape Cod League two summers in a row. The first summer, I interned for Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox, and I did graphic design for them. And then the next summer, I was the president of the league's intern, and that's when I did the MLB crossover with Cape Cod League. But I think it's really special, the Cape Cod League, because you get to see these players before they're big time and you get to see them in college developing and i'd say they're a little less media shy so you get to build an easier connection with them
2: how did you initially like you know find your way into the working with that league
0: so for cape cod league a girl and my sorority at clemson she was a few years older than me she interned for falmouth commodores and i'm from massachusetts so i just thought that would be a perfect opportunity for me so it's a really easy application. You fill it out online and you hear back from them.
2: So you started with Cape Cod League and then mm-hmm. kind of went back to Clemson with, you know, some more experience mm-hmm. and, and then working with Clemson Sports after that.
0: Yes. So when I went back after interning with YD, I interned for WSPA 7. That's the new station in Greenville, South Carolina. And that was how I would be able to be on the field, be in the Dabo interviews and do packages like that.
2: What are some of like the main like differences? Because there's like TV media, there's social media, there's like you know Buffalo Bills TikTok style where it's very like kind of edgy in a way, mm-hmm. um, and then there's you know networks like ESPN that kind of have like a you know TV and social. What are the differences look like working on those teams?
0: So I would say that sideline reporting has almost morphed into social media management as well. And with networks such as ESPN, I'd say it's a little more formal, the coverage, whereas if you have a specific team, TikTok, as you mentioned, the Bills, you know those players on a deeper level, so it's funnier and you can get a little more silly with it. But when it comes to ESPN, I'd say the coverage is platonic in the sense of you interview the players, you talk to them, but you don't see these guys every week. And if you're working with a team, you're more ingrained in that community.
2: What is your favorite style of like, you know, media today?
0: I love what TikTok has brought to the social media landscape. I think that when they mic up the players or they all ask them their favorite Taylor Swift song, I think that's drawn in a more inclusive audience for the NFL, NBA and whoever. And it also allows for fans to have more interaction with the players.
1: Is that the direction that you kind of want to go in Like when you finish up at Clemson? You want to be like running a team's social media with a personal touch?
0: Definitely. I think that's the way that all sports reporting is going nowadays. I think that social media goes hand in hand with sideline reporting because they see your face on the TV and then you also get to run the social media. So it's like a combination to allow it to flow easily.
1: Um, Like who do you draw inspiration from like for that specific style where it's kind of like a relatively new industry and a relatively new style?
0: So actually my marketing professor Amanda Cooper fine at Clemson University She had a student Eileen O'Malley and Eileen currently runs the Celtics Instagram So I always look there because she had the same teacher as me so we have similar styles with that and I'd also say I draw inspiration from nfl tiktok and i love the media portrayal of kansas city chiefs with the taylor swift travis kelsey i think that has brought the chiefs to a whole new level on the media
2: do you think like do you think that's good or bad though
0: i think it definitely takes away from sports and that's what i was getting at earlier that tiktok almost crosses sports with pop culture and it's a little more fun whereas mlb network espn keeps it strictly sports
2: okay do you think, On, yeah, go ahead. Do you
1: think it's like a distraction for the teams at some point? Because, you know, you have Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, who's like probably the best duo in the entire league right now. And then, like, people just know Travis Kelsey now for dating Taylor Swift. And it kind of like diminishes what he's doing. It's and then, Taylor
2: like, Swift's boyfriend, not Travis, Kel- Travis Kelsey. Like,
1: yeah. And, like, their record, you know, recently they've been struggling. They haven't been playing, you know, to the level that they're used to. Do you think that, like, all this outside media coming in is difficult for teams to handle.
0: I think it puts most definitely a spotlight on these players and they already have so much pressure. So even Kylie Kelsey the other day, she was saying Taylor's so it's great and everything, but the spotlight isn't my cup of tea and I don't want to get caught up on that. So I agree with that point, but I think that it's a marketing point because Travis Kelsey's jerseys increased by what 400% after that i think it's separate in the sense of which audience is viewing it you probably wouldn't go watch a tiktok about taylor swift and travis kelsey but if you turn on espn and you want to hear about travis's stats the mahomes completion percentage that's where you would turn in that i think each media is marketed to a certain audience and that's what you have to understand when you create content you're creating it for a specific audience and you have to cater to their needs and what they want to see although that might not be what you think is best. You have to think of who's consuming the content.
2: Are you a Taylor Swift fan?
0: I hate to say it but no.
2: Oh wow. Okay. So do you think like there's a possibility that there's like some kind of backroom conversations that happened like this off season that like kind of they're like okay, NFL is running a little bit dry, like we need to like do something to to get this?
0: Without a doubt. Yeah. Because I don't know. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey just don't make sense to me.
2: For what reason?
0: I don't know. I just it seems a little staged in my personal opinion. Yeah. Him flying out to Argentina, the camera's just there, and she's on the big screen at every single NFL game she's attended. It almost feels as if it's a paid appearance.
2: Yeah, it could be some kind of deal with the stadiums that like, you know, she's performing there, she has to come back. Like she was showing a lot of love to Gillette. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's, like, 100% granted.
1: It was, like, bugging me, though, for a while because, like, he would score a touchdown, and instead of showing, like, his celebration, him spiking the ball. Cuts right to him. Cuts right to Taylor Swift. So, um, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like it takes a lot of the spotlight away from him.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it takes away from the game and the sport because the people who are watching for Taylor Swift – no hate, but I guess is you probably don't know
2: mm-hmm.
0: the logistics of the game. So you're not watching for the game. You're watching for Taylor Swift.
2: What do you think about like baseball? So like there's always the conversation that like baseball is kind of dying out and there isn't the same appeal to it. The fans are older. Um, what are some things that you've might have seen that, you know, social media has been able to lever- like people on social media have been able to leverage or ideas that you might have for for that sport?
0: For baseball, I think that it's America's sport at the end of the day. It's built on hot dogs, Sweet Caroline, where we're from. And I think that baseball, although it's not action-packed, like hockey where there's fights, football, there's tackles, it's almost, I view as a summer activity where you can go out to Fenway, go out to the ballpark, enjoy the game, But working with it, one of my favorite stories I've ever told was all baseball players have chains. That's like a huge baseball thing. They all have these crazy Cuban pieces. They all have these chains, but behind these chains are a story. So I think when you really make these people have a story and relatable and someone that you would want to get to know and root for, that's how you draw fan attention. And once you get certain marketable players, you can really build the fan base behind that. So that would be my idea is make the players a community aspect almost.
2: How, like as a journalist, like how do you find that story from from the players and like get them to open up?
0: I think that you should just be kind to everyone and not use kindness as a strategy to get something because when you're interviewing someone or talking to someone, it's so obvious when someone's just trying to get something out of you. And like I said with Coach K, you just talk to them as if they're people and you tend to find out little details. I interviewed Miami Marlins player Devin Smeltzer and he had one of the coolest stories. So Devin as a child, he had cancer and... Then ended up making it to the big league. So that's one of the main charities that he donates to and it's little things like that that I think tell the story.
2: What what are the components that go into like an interview? So like were you doing a lot of research on him Mm -hmm. and his foundation beforehand? Or did you, you know, are you ever like just thrown into it blind and you have to kind of come up with things on the spot?
0: So I've definitely been thrown into it blind a few times and when you're thrown into it blind and you don't really know the person... I tend to go with generic questions and let them talk and base the conversation off of who they are and how they're reacting. But if it's a prepared interview, I usually look up a few stats, some major plays they've had, where they went to college, what position, and... After that minimal research, I make a little note sheet and ask them questions based off that. But I would never say I have typed out questions that I go line by line Mm -hmm. by line, because I feel like that almost disrupts the conversation flow.
2: Was there ever an interview that you feel like you uh, didn't do a good job at or you kind of like were just like afterwards you're like, that did not go well at all?
0: Yes. My first interview on camera for Clemson Insider was with James Skalsky. He was Clemson football captain at the time. And it was my first one. I was sweating. I, it ended up being five minutes long. I'm stuttering, um, uh, this, that, the other thing. And Jamie's a six-year Clemson football player. He's media trained, so his responses are effective, quick, good. And re-watching that interview, I just look back. And I'm like, oh, girl, let me help you, please. But other than that, I'd say most interviews have gone pretty well.
1: Have you ever been, like, starstruck by one of the interviews that you've done? Whether it's, like, a player you grew up watching or just someone you've been a big fan of?
0: I think that my favorite interview that I was most starstruck, per se, would be Buckshell Walters. So he was just... He actually played on the Cape League for the 1975 Hyannis Mets before they were the Harbor Hawks. But just having someone who's so deeply ingrained in the game and knows so much, and I remember Buck looking at me and he said, is this what you want to do with your life? And I said, yes, and he goes, work hard, you can be something great. And just hearing that from someone of such caliber and respect in that atmosphere made me think that, wow, I'm really living out the dream right now.
1: When did uh, you have the opportunity to interview him?
0: So I interviewed Buck the same day that I interviewed Pete Alonzo. So that whole day, I was just kind of starstruck. But that was when the Mets traveled to Fenway this year to play the Red Sox.
1: Okay. And then how did you get the opportunity to work at Fenway?
0: So that was the crossover between the Cape Cod League and the MLB. So any MLB player that I've interviewed was a Cape Cod League alumni.
1: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you've got to see like the progression or mm-hmm. how many... Like, how many players, like, are in the Cape League each summer?
0: So, there's, oh, off the top of my head, there's full rosters for Falmouth Commodores, Hyannis Harbor Hawks, YD Red Sox, Harwich Mariners, and I want to say around 12 teams, I'm not exactly sure, but I think... They also have players come under contracts where they can be temporary, where you're waiting for someone to either come back from USA or finish out in Omaha. So it's almost a revolving door in the Mm -hmm. Cape, but a good amount.
1: How many guys make it to the majors, I guess is what I'm asking. Um, Oh,
0: So the Cape League is arguably the number one summer ball league mm -hmm. in the entire country. I think number two comes in at the Alaska League, which is funny because Alaska and baseball don't necessarily mix in my head. But I'd say around 70% of those guys end up getting drafted and 55%-ish debut.
1: Well, I didn't realize the number was that high.
0: Yes. If you play on the Cape, it is very telling. And at the All-Star game, they have the best of the best from all the teams come, and there's an entire bleacher section that is filled to the brim with scouts. I want to say four or five rows of bleachers with scouts.
1: That's impressive. I knew the league was uh, stacked, but I didn't know it was that deep.
0: Yeah, actually, in 2012, Aaron Judge played out for the Brewster Whitecaps. No way! I didn't mm-hmm. even know that. Wow.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Just real yeah. notable alumni. What is it? What does it look like in this industry, like with you and like some of your colleagues or peers? Is there like, is it a positive environment, or is there some kind of like level of competition or any like, not bad blood, but any beef that goes on?
0: I'm not gonna lie it's very competitive and I think this goes with anything some people are good people some people are not and you just have to know that when you go about navigating what you tell to people who you trust I actually had a girl once who I worked with and she just didn't like when I would get an interview that she wouldn't and it wasn't I was getting more than her she was getting more than me it was the fact of the matter is that she didn't want to co-host and she definitely did some things that you don't treat a colleague. So I will say you have to watch your back, but also don't not trust people because some people in the industry are good and you just have to be very careful when assessing a person's character.
2: What would you say to like someone who wants to maybe in high school or in college and hasn't tried it and like wants to like break into this industry?
0: Start now. DM any college athlete that goes to your school, any on camera experience you can get is phenomenal to build a reel. You need to definitely have a foundation of sports knowledge because, one thing for the girls in sports, I will tell you, you have to know more because I've had guys come up to me, who won Super Bowl XYZ? And when you don't know it, they look at you and say, that's why it's a men's world in sports. So I think that having a foundational knowledge, Building a brand, as we mentioned before, make an Instagram, your name, sports media. And also, Teamwork Online is the number one platform for anyone who wants to work in the sports industry. You make a profile, you check it every day, and it's an official affiliate of the NFL, NHL, NBA, and MLB, and they post the content creation, whether you wanna do photos, videos, sales, marketing. So I would say that's the number one platform to break into and all colleges have a local news station. Email them, apply, show up, and just don't give up because this is an industry where people are gonna tell you no a lot. And don't be overly pushy, but definitely try for what you want.
1: You said that like obviously because you're a female in the sports world, you're at like, a big disadvantage. Do you think that you have like any advantages over the men that you're kinda of competing with for jobs or interviews?
0: I think in the sense that women are more likely to get on camera time if they look better. But I think women are a disadvantage in the sense of knowledge. People think that just because you're a girl, you don't know sports, and you're here to meet a player or get some certain lifestyle. But that's majorly not the case. And I would say that men are more secure in the sense of people respect them more. But I will say that women are likely to get on camera time
1: okay
2: where do you see like that going like the it seems like there is significant like progress mm-hmm. being made i feel like just like mm-hmm. in terms of like numbers and like equality in sports like on all sides but like where do you see it going like personally
0: personally i see women being the majority of sideline reporters i'd even say that arguably now like yeah no I think the roles of being at the table at ESPN is where the males take over if you look at Laura Rutledge she's the only girl on the college football ESPN plus table and when it's panels that are almost more formal and halftime interviews postgame pregames that's where it's mostly males but I will say on college sidelines NFL NBA NHL MLB it's mostly women and I would say that the next Glass ceiling for the girls to break would be getting a spot at that table and having the table be a little more even
1: What do you think the girls need to do to like get a seat at that table?
0: That goes back to social media. I think that if you want to do something different You have to be different than everyone else You can't have the same social media where you're out at the bars doing x y and z that's not gonna work And you also have to keep your circle very tight and very personable. You are here to work. You are not here to be friends with the players. And you're here to build a connection with them so they feel comfortable talking to you. But I think for girls, it's very, very important. I cannot emphasize enough. There needs to be a strict line between work and friends
1: where do you where do you draw that line because if you're like let's say you're managing you know the celtics TikTok, Mm -hmm. and like you're with these players every single day and you start Mm -hmm. developing a relationship with them does like the waters ever get blurry or even for you at clemson you know they're your classmates at the same time but when you're on the field with them you know they're there to work Mm -hmm. as well
0: i'd say that i'm friendly with most of the clemson football team but i think off the top of my head i only follow on my personal Instagram, four of them who I've developed an actual friendship with as a college student. And I think that you can be friends with someone, but you can't be out at the bars with them. Like if they messaged me and said, let's go grab a drink. So if I was managing the Celtics and someone said, let's go grab a drink, I'd say no, but I'll see you at work. And you have to keep it just very professional and assert from the beginning that this is not a game and I'm here to work. I'm here to make you look good and I'm here to make this brand.
2: Have there been people that like have like kind of given women like a bad reputation and kind of like taken advantage of like the opportunity that was given to them and you know for like it doesn't have to be women either. It could be mm-hmm. guys too, but just like in that space and just kind of acted not professionally.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. There was. Actually recently a uh, controversy. Did you see I think his name's kevin fitzgerald. He was an nfl media producer and They gave the phone. Oh, no way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah So I feel like that was too extreme in the sense of that guy just gave him his phone and did a backflip and he got suspended but I think they're so strict on protocol because there have been things that haven't surfaced and scandals because One thing about the sports industry is if things go sideways, it is tried to be.
2: So what was your reaction when you saw like Kay Fitz, you know, getting his his credentials suspended, being someone who also works in sports? Like, what did that feel like?
0: That honestly hurt my heart because I know how hard it is to get there and how hard you have to work that he didn't do anything wrong. In my personal opinion... The only thing that happened was he was handed a prop, per se. He didn't cuss at anyone. He didn't disrespect anyone. He didn't disrupt the game that, unfortunately, I strongly disagree with his credentials getting taken.
2: The other thing is, like, you say he didn't do anything wrong, which is completely right. And then he also, like, was exceeding at his job and Mm -hmm. and going above and beyond and got, like, one of, if not the best, one of the best NFL clips of the year Mm -hmm. um, for NFL because he was working for them. And they could have made so much money from that and they decided like because of like their own well, I mean like they call it like no fun league. It's you know, uh but yeah, that was that was pretty crazy to to see. And I think the reason that his suspendals his uh credentials were suspended is because after that happened, he like jumped up and down because he was like hyped. Mm -hmm. Him and Tyreek are boys. They're like off the off the field, like Tyreek invites him to everything. He works for Tyreek, does all of his stuff Mm -hmm. for his brands and uh you know, Tyreek saw him came over, t- took the phone, and he like jumped up and down because he was like hyped after that. And I think that's the reason that they suspended him because it was like unprofessional. But
0: yeah, I can see that point. But bringing it back, I've seen your friend's work—amazing, genuinely, truly, phenomenal work in the sports industry. And I just don't think his credentials should have been taken.
2: Yeah, the Miami Heat had him out, I think. Or he was at a Heat game, like, two nights ago. Yeah. So, like, I think he's going to... He'll be fine, but yeah, it was crazy.
0: But I think that goes to show, like, these leagues, if you mess up, you're living a public life if you choose to enter the sports industry. And you almost have to be more careful of the way you act, which is why I keep coming back to social media because I cannot emphasize enough how important you portray yourself is. But they like to make examples out of people to ensure that there is professionalism.
2: Do you know who Baron Davis is? He's like, so I was at uh, NBA All-Star Weekend this year Mm -hmm. and he has this thing called like uh, Big, like business in the game. Mm -hmm. And he had a lot of events going on, talking with panels and a lot of like, you know, very high up people in the sports industries, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks or the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks, who's like, I think, one of the only female CEOs like in professional sports. Um, And they were just talking about like so many like ideas that they're kind of working on like behind the scenes to like push just the world forward. Like, because a lot of these leagues like we're just talking about are just kind of stuck in the mud, you know, old, almost old fashioned the way they're operating. And they're not like adjusting to the, to the times except for, you know, the social media stuff. So I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting to see like, The potential that's there and like that there are people working towards it
0: i think also with that is i would like to see sports push forward more because how we mentioned earlier the tiktok's almost a cross of pop culture i would like to see sports become something more adjusted to the future rather than the old ways
2: what does that look like specifically
0: i love seeing the mic'd up videos i think those are great i also think that telling the stories i loved the damar hamlin story and thank goodness he's okay but just seeing everyone come together in that community aspect i would like to see us almost interact more deeply with the communities because i think that will build the fan base and draw people to have a connection to the sport
2: that makes sense
1: like you like really stressed about how you've like tried to keep like your Instagram professional and you know when you're you gotta maintain your reputation. Mm-hmm. Do you try to avoid putting yourself like in spots where like you could be spotted at a bar like that might be a bad look. You try to like like when you're on your free mm-hmm. time. Do you try to?
0: Um, I think I definitely won't not go out because of that. Uh-huh. But when I go out, I make sure that. I like cute clothes. I love getting dressed up and having fun outfits. But always in the back of my mind, it was, would I want my boss to see me wearing this? And the other thing to keep in mind is when I go out in my college town, per se, I see those athletes. So even in the back of my head then, I'm like, I want them to take me seriously. And they're not going to take me seriously if I'm running around downtown Clemson in some absurd getup.
2: Do you think that, like, Obviously, there's that balance of, like, your personal Mm -hmm. life and, like, your career and your passion. Do you think, do you like the way that interference is and like, that gray area, how it kind of affects your personal Mm -hmm. life? Or do you think that that should change over over time uh, when, like, more women are, like, working in sports?
0: I think that I like the crossover a little bit because it maintains my personal life to a higher standard and respect. So I like that. But when it comes to women in sports, I think that arguably if a girl wanted to be friends with an athlete, I think that should be permissible. But unfortunately, that's not the way it is. And I would never want to give people the wrong information.
2: That makes sense. So you you like the way that you know because you have to be very professional while you're working mm-hmm. it rubs off on your social life and it, you, you're just more put together like in general
0: yes i'd say i love being put together but i think being put together means you can still have a ton of fun it's just i think there's a line per se where if you cross that and acted a certain way and certain people saw you out that that would cause waves in your professional life
1: That makes sense has there ever been like any athletes that you've worked with that didn't really respect the professional line that you're talking about?
0: Honestly, I've been so lucky that everyone has respected me, but I have a few friends in the industry where I've heard some stories that it didn't go their way, but I am blessed enough that every athlete has been respectful, kind, and professional when it came to me.
2: Well, what's Clemson like, just being going there as a student and everything?
0: It's so perfect. I was obsessed with Friday Night Lights when I was in high school. So picture the Southern charm. We wake up on game days and we put on our cowboy boots, our dresses, and football is everything there. It is a whole day event. So that was another thing that really drew me to Clemson, how deeply invested they were in their athletics. But I'd say Clemson is red dirt, back road, simple, work hard, do what you love, and you have a shot to make it big.
2: What's your favorite, like, Clemson sports memory?
0: Oh, there's so many. I think that my favorite Clemson sports memory actually came this year when we beat Notre Dame because Clemson had a really – tough season struggling this year our quarterback position has been difficult Garrett Riley coming in to run the offense didn't look like TCU's last year lots of moving parts Dabo with the transfer portal the odds weren't in our favor and Notre Dame with Sam Hartman was tearing it up and fun fact about Sam Hartman he used to be the quarterback at Wake Forest so it was even double sweeter because we beat a Wake Forest alumni and we beat Notre Dame because Notre Dame has had a curse on us. When I was a freshman, Trevor missed one game because of COVID. And DJ debuted, got beat in double overtime. Then DJ lost to Notre Dame again. And my family's a Nerdame family. So I would just get constant text calls. Clemson this, Clemson that. So when we finally beat them when we weren't supposed to, I was like, yes.
2: That's a good memory. <laughs> was that at home this year? Yes. Yeah.
1: What's your current outlook on Clemson football? How are you guys going to be in the next few years?
0: I think that Dabo made a huge step with Garrett Riley because that was the first out-of-house hire since Brent Venables in 2012, and Brent Venables is out coaching OU now. That's great. I think conference realignment is going to play a huge, huge part in how Clemson's going to be. I think that Dabo definitely needs to open up the transfer portal because he is a very traditional football coach but one thing i will say about clemson football is it's built to last although we've had a superstar player trevor lawrence that's once in a million a type of player Mm -hmm. like that but we will never not be good because even this season we definitely struggled we got drawn through the mud in the media dabo got named the winningest coach this year for his record
1: oh What do you think, like, with the, like, they're adding teams to the college football playoffs, and then also with the realignment, like, do you think that's gonna affect, like, how he operates at all?
0: Not Dabo necessarily, but my one comment on adding more teams, originally I was against it, but after seeing what happened to Florida State this year, if the college football committee is going to select Alabama every time because it's Nick Saban and they're the best of the best, I do think we should give more teams the opportunity to compete because although Jordan Travis got hurt and they were playing their third string quarterback, Florida State had arguably the best defense in the country. 100% I will stand by that. And I really think Mike Norvell and the Seminoles deserved a shot at the college football playoff. So adding teams, I'm not opposed to anymore.
2: What about your thoughts, like on the transfer portal? You speak pretty highly of it as something that, like, Clemson should be utilizing more. But like, do you think that that culture now of like players just like wanting, like, moving around, jumping around to different schools, weighing their options, is a, is a good thing?
0: No, and this is controversial, but I think a NIL impacts a lot of it because if you have a smaller school that's going to put up a ton of money for you, you're going to go there, and the transfer portal I feel like almost creates. A lack of loyalty because if you're going to go somewhere that's going to pay you the most you're not there for the team you're not playing for what's on the front of your jersey you're playing for what's on the back and I think that the transfer portal is good and players should be allowed to make the decision to move but I think there should be harsher restrictions put in place whereas maybe You can only transfer a certain amount of times or the circumstances have to be evaluated by the NCAA because my favorite story actually was, do you know Zay Flowers? He played Mm -hmm. for BC. So Zay had the opportunity to make a bunch of money transferring and he stayed loyal to BC and played because BC was the team he came with, the coach he played for. And I just have a lot of respect for players like that because I think it's telling of who you are.
2: He also stayed loyal, had a great last Mm -hmm. year there and went first round. Like That's... It worked out for him. So that's really good.
0: That's a stereotype, too. You don't need to go to Alabama, Georgia, Texas, LSU, any of those schools to get drafted. It's who you are as a player and how you play.
2: Totally. Cool. So what's next for you? You know, moving forward, senior or you're wrapping up senior Mm -hmm. year now, um, but college, pro sports, your career, what does that look like?
0: So I actually am a little unsure right now, which is the exciting part, but charlotte hosts acc network so i could move to charlotte and work for them but what it's looking like right now is i plan on getting an accelerated masters at clemson and with that i have two degrees at 23 and i'll say it right now i feel like most people have a college degree so i'm looking for just one more thing to set myself apart And as we've talked about this episode, sideline reporting has morphed with social media management. So that being said, having a master's in communication just sets yourself up for the best possible success. So I think that one more year of school and then I think that I would like to work for a team because I really want to be a part of a community opposed to working for a bigger sports network where you cover all three. And Although that might be cool, and I honestly, honestly would take any job in sports I can get, I definitely want to work with a team and stick with them.
2: What are some of those North Stars that, like, maybe, whether it's a specific interview or specific game that you want to be at for work, uh, what what does that look like for you?
0: Um, My biggest North Star would be covering the Super Bowl. That's going to come in definitely a few years, but I believe in myself and I'm going to get there. And I think that I like big anticipated games. I love SEC football. Although I don't go to an SEC school, I think SEC football is highly exciting. So working with a game like Alabama-Georgia would be a North Star. March Madness. I would love to cover Omaha. Any big caliber games where there's excitement and people are ready to be there and they really have passion rooting for the game, that's what I like doing.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming through today. This was a good, uh, great conversation. Hearing more about like your world, working in sports, and some of your goals. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to, you know, cover or go go over?
0: Um. No. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Of course.